morning. After my prayer time on Thursday, I was led to consider a government survey that was completed in November of this year. It was a survey completed by our government and then established by the Evangelical Alliance for Churches in the UK. And it was called the Christmas Facts Survey. And it was people surveyed all over the UK. And this were some of the results. I'm going to have, I think some of them will be coming on the screen. 51% of people do not believe an angel appeared to the shepherds. 44% of people do not believe the wise men were guided by a star. 47% of people do not believe that Jesus was laid in a manger. 51% of people agreed with the statement, the birth of Jesus is irrelevant to my Christmas. 62% of people said they would not be going to church on Christmas Day. The average amount spent on Christmas presents per person overall is £600. With over 6,000 types of Christmas cards in mainstream shops, only 34 styles had a nativity scene. It is predicted that on Christmas Day, 728 million will be spent on holiday shopping. To note that is on Christmas Day, that is one day. But probably the most staggering statistic in this survey was that 72% of British people see no religious significance in Christmas. It's not a great way to start a sermon, is it? But the challenge in this, when I read these things, is it would be all too easy to give that lovely, comfortable nativity sermon. We crave it at Christmas. We crave the good news after a long, hard year. Many of us will have gone through trials. Many of us know that next year is going to be difficult. So Christmas, let's be joyous and happy. But these statistics, when I read them, staggered me that our society has taken something that is entirely about Jesus and God's words, Christianity and the calendar itself, into something completely and utterly different. And it staggers me that only 28% of British people view Christmas as something to do with a religion. William Barclay put it this way in summing up these statistics. The problem of modern evangelism is not hostility to Christianity, rather that the church has become irrelevant in society and man has become indifferent to it. Every year the church will roll out its Christmas program. Every year we pray and hope that people will come in, hear the good news and be touched by it and their life be changed by it, whether completely or whether just refreshed. But it seems from these statistics that are just one month old, that are done by the government, not just some random folks, that our Christmas programs just don't seem to be hitting the mark. And so I sat there on Thursday morning and the questions that came to my mind were, what do we do? 
with the odds overwhelmingly against the church, these percentages are continually increasing. What can we do as a church here in Hamilton, here this morning, to make a difference? What can we do to make Christmas about Jesus again? And more than that, what can we do to make the church relevant, not just at Christmas, but throughout the entire calendar year? And so this morning I have one point. I can already see smiles. I have one point, but just, just to confuse you, I have three sub-points. So I have one, but this, I know some of you already say, that's four points, Ross. No, it's one point with three sub-points. The first point, the main element of what I want to talk about this morning is what can we do to make a difference? Very simply, defend the truth. This is the most simple yet profound thing we can do here at Hamilton Baptist. In defending the truth, we defend Jesus himself. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be looking at quite a number of verses. So if you have a pen or a pencil, probably handy to grab that now. But we'll camp out in 2 Timothy 4 and use that as our springboard. Second Timothy 4 and from verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. In this one verse, Paul paints a picture to Timothy and that picture is very similar to what we have today. People are no longer wanting to hear teaching, especially at Christmas. They do not want to hear the true message of Jesus born to die on a cross. They wander off following their own desires and passions. £728 million spent on Christmas Day on shopping because the gifts they received are probably not good enough, so they want to keep spending. People wander off onto their own passions. That is similar to what we face today. 51% of people see Jesus as irrelevant to their Christmas. People are wandering away from the truth of the gospel, from the truth of the baby Jesus born to save mankind. And instead of feeling defeated, instead of feeling discouraged by this, Paul, in one verse before, exhorts Timothy to one of the most profound things we read in the letters of Timothy, verse 2. Paul is not discouraged or dismayed. Instead, he says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. You see, Paul is saying here, people will wander. They will walk away from Jesus. They will do everything in their own passions and desires. But Timothy, but church, But people of God, do not be dismayed. Instead, preach the word. How do we defend the truth? How do we deal with society wandering away from Jesus at Christmas and throughout the year? We simply preach the truth. We preach the gospel. We preach with conviction. As society wanders away, we are not to water the story down. 
We're not to go, do you know what? They don't want to hear the truth, so we'll give them tinsel. We'll give them that nice program. They'll come in for that. No, Paul says, stand firm and preach the truth. We should preach with even more fervor and conviction than we have ever done before. And 2 Timothy is not the only place in the Bible that we hear such a rally cry. Titus 1.9, Paul commands the elders of the church to defend the truth when he says he must hold firm, firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. In 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, Paul commands us to wage war in the name of defending the truth. He writes, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. In Peter 3.15, Peter encourages us to be ready to defend the truth. He says, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Galatians 5.1, Paul commands us to stand firm. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. But probably my favorite verse of them all, Paul sums it all up in Philippians 1 and verse 16 by saying, I am put here for the defense of the gospel. We are put here for no other reason than the defense of the gospel. I don't know about you, but when I was preparing this, and this was the message that God was leading me to preach, I was discouraged by those statistics because I know how much effort we all put in at Christmas time. I know all the effort that our Sunday school leaders are putting in to teach the nativity to our kids, all the effort that our leaders are putting in to pray over our program, pray over who's going to come in, the flyers, everything we put in, all the efforts in, yet these statistics seem staggering. Yet Paul and the whole Bible just encourages to not be discouraged. Instead, do even more. Do it with more passion. Do it with more fervor. Do it with even more conviction than you're doing. As society turns its way on the true nativity story, we are simply to turn straight to the truth. We are to get prepared. We are to stand firm. And we are to defend the truth. But it's not good enough as a church if we just simply know that that's what we are to do. That's a great rally cry. We're going to defend the truth. Well, how are you going to do that? How are we going to defend the truth in this church? How are we going to defend the truth in Hamilton? How are we going to go even beyond that and defend the truth in the whole world and say, no, Christmas is about Jesus? Well, here's my three sub points. To defend the truth, we have to know it, live it, and share it. Defending the truth means knowing it, living it, and sharing it. Firstly, to defend the truth, we need to know it. Let's go back to 2 Timothy, but let us go back one chapter to 2 Timothy 3 and from verse 16. It's a verse that we know and talk about quite a lot in church. It reads, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. 
and work. How can we expect to defend a truth if we don't know the truth? I used to love in high school, there was a debating society. Yes, I was that kid that liked to debate in school. And they would always teach you to debate the opposite argument. You never start with the argument that you want to debate. You start with the opposite argument. So you know what you're going to be defending. You know the arguments. And then you prepare your line, how you're going to defend it. So you are prepared. You, when you stand up there with your notes and the other team are ready to completely slate your opinion, you are ready. That is God's word. The truth is God's word. And therefore, how do we get ready to defend the truth? We know God's words. We know it inside out. We study it. We get our books out. We get our pens out. We make notes. We don't just read it. We study it. To be effective in defending the truth, we need to have more than our opinion of the truth. We need truth itself revealed to us. But the thing I love about this little verse we find in 2 Timothy, we quote the verse 16 so often but we rarely quote verse 17. And it's a very simple verse. We are made complete in God's words. We are equipped with God's words. We can do every good work with God's words. So the first way we defend God's word is we know it. We study it. We know that as we study it, we're being made complete. That, yes, we're going to rally cry and say we're going to defend the truth this Christmas. And how are we going to do that? We're going to equip ourselves with God's Word. Again, this is not a new concept. Throughout the entire Bible, read read this. Matthew 4, verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 1 Timothy 4.13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Romans 15.4, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement of Scripture, we will find hope. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 1.2, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, what does he do? He meditates day and night. And again, summed up in Isaiah 40 and verse 8, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. You see, when I was looking at the platform last night, we had our teenagers here for our Connect program celebrating Christmas. And I noticed the tree, and I can't go too near it because I'm allergic to pine needles. Um, Scott thinks it's hilarious because <laughs> I can't go anywhere near it. Um, you'll see pine needles on the floor. And we'll hoover them up each week. But by the end of the Christmas season, most of that tree will be on the floor. Have you noticed that the cross behind me has never been lowered? And that this season it won't be lowered? And that in this season it will stay exactly put? It won't fall. It won't fade. It won't decay it'll stay exactly where it is. And that is because the grass withers and the flowers fade and all these things in the world that we celebrate 
disappear over time. But praise God, he stands forever. And that never fades. Okay, second point. I'll go a bit quickly here. We must know the truth to defend the truth. Secondly, to defend the truth, we must live it. At Soul Services, we've been concentrating on 1 John and what it means to live in the light. In 1 John 1 6, it says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. The first element of living this truth and how we defend it is by living in the light, by no longer living in sin, by saying, do you know what? That was my old life. I now live under Christ. He has changed me. I'm a new creation. I live in the light. The sin that entangled me before has been dealt with on the cross. I no longer have the guilt. I no longer have the punishment. I no longer have the shame. It has all been dealt with and now I live a brand new life in Jesus. And when the world sees that, they see a difference in us. They see a change in us. And that change, that difference, that living in the light is one of the most effective ways for us defending the truth this Christmas. In Philippians 4.8, though, it shows us how we should live. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Our minds are to be filled with the honorable and pure thoughts of God's word. But more than that, John tells us that we shouldn't just think about it, we should action it out. 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions in truth. And so I was left with this question when studying on Thursdays. How do we action out defense of the truth? How do we action out love? How do we action out Jesus this Christmas? And I went to one statistic that it seems obvious on Christmas Day to make Jesus as number one. 62% of people will not attend church on Christmas Day because they do not see church and Jesus as relevant to their day. Now, don't get me wrong, I have heard the reasons. I've heard the excuses, and maybe in the past I've even given some of the reasons myself. That I'm too busy with family. That I've got a huge meal to cook. That Christmas Day was probably not when Jesus was born. And well, we have loads of services already. But let me ask you this. In using those reasons to not attend Christmas Day services, are we living in defense of the truth. How are our views of not attending Christmas Day services and carol services any different than the 62% that are not going to be in attendance or the 51% that say Jesus is irrelevant? <coughs> Praise God, He sent His Son, but I can't get to church because I've got to get the meal ready. Praise God for Jesus who came to save the world, but I can't get to church because, you know, the kids, it's about them. How are these views any different than what we see in the world? To stand 
and defend the gospel means to be very, very different than the world. We must speak up. We must stand together for Jesus. We must hold Jesus higher than anything, even our own family, every day and especially on Christmas Day. We must not fear people's opinions. Instead, we must fear God more. And I know there are people in the room today that will feel uncomfortable that I'm even saying this point. But to defend the truth means we must live it. It means that Jesus is number one, not just when it's convenient, but when it's inconvenient. To live for Jesus, even when most of the UK will ignore his name on Christmas Day, we will stand as a church family and say, we will defend the gospel. We will come together and worship the baby-born king. This is probably a good point to note. We have a Christmas Day service at 10.45. Please don't come out of obligation, because this is not an obligation thing. This is, I love Jesus. I want to defend Jesus. I want to stand for Jesus. So when the world concentrates on their family, on the presence, on the busyness, I will come and I will worship the true King. I have a desire, a deep burning desire to sing with my family the praises of God's name, to study His Word, to say, do you know what? On Christmas Day, the day we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we will show our community what it means to us. We'll open our doors wide open and we will sing praises so the train station can hear us. Because on that day, we recognize Jesus wasn't born as some random baby put in a manger with a dreadful start to life. He was born as a king who was going to die for our sins so that we could even celebrate Christmas Day. Don't come out of obligation. Come out because you love Jesus. Third and finally, we defend the truth by knowing what it is, by living it out on a daily basis, but finally by sharing it. Psalm 96, verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. See, that's the simple truth of Christmas. That's the tough truth of Christmas. In a society that has made Jesus irrelevant at Christmas, we have a huge task together to achieve, and that is we must defend the name of Jesus this Christmas. We must stand strong. We must stand different. And to do that, to do that with effectiveness, to do that which will result in God's glory, we've got to know our Bibles. We've got to study it. We've got to know what the nativity is. We did a quiz last night with the teenagers and they were shocked, horrified, to know that it doesn't say how many wise men were in the Bible. Shocked, because they were brought up to know that there was three. We must know the truth this Christmas. More than that, we've got to live it. Because if we know the truth, but then we live something completely different, then we are no better than anyone else in our society that has made Jesus irrelevant. Because we are saying, we know the truth, but I prefer my truth. We must live it. And thirdly, and most importantly, as we recommission a missionary 
today. We've got to share it. Because this is great. This room is fantastic. And trust me, when I leave in February, it will be hard to not look out to 300-odd people and know that you are the people of God. But we all have a final day. We will all one day meet our maker. And if we don't share the truth and defend the truth, this church will be empty in 30 years. Because it's not about us. And that's the hard thing to grasp at Christmas. It is not about us. It is about Jesus. We have 44,000 people in Hamilton. It's predicted that only 2,000 people go to church in Hamilton. Of those 2,000, probably only 400 will go on Christmas Day to church. That's 43,000 people in Hamilton who on Christmas Day won't hear the good news of Jesus. What are we going to do this Christmas? Well, I'm going to leave you with a choice. There's a choice we all have to make, including myself. Will we make this Christmas just every other Christmas? We'll let our programs have a nice time. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm looking forward to spending time with my kids and seeing their faces on Christmas morning. Or are we going to have some depth to our Christmas? Are we going to wage war against the sea of our society making Jesus irrelevant? Are we going to say, kids, do you know what? This has been a great morning. But let's go and praise the name of Jesus together with our family on Christmas Day. <clears throat> to defend the truth, we must know it, we must share it, and we must live it. Let's pray.